All right, this is Jared. I'm back. Episode 39, Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast, and I've got Nick Barnard on with me. Nick, thanks for coming. Thank you. So we'll get into this. Um, basically, how we'll, how we'll start is, uh, Nick, who are you? As much info as you want to give. How do you support your habit, and uh, what do you do for a profession? Well, I was born in Nebraska, uh, but basically raised in Wichita my whole life. Went to Mays here, just on the north end of Wichita. Um, went to Kansas State. Um, got a degree in construction science and management. So that's about how I fund my stuff uh, here. Um, working construction. Work for Baron Concrete. We're a local concrete subcontractor. Um, I kind of oversee all of our residential work and whatnot from basements and exterior flat work and things like that. So a little plug there if anybody needs a little bit of concrete work. Baron Concrete, give us a holler. Yeah, you are definitely a uh, K State fan. We get to talking about it. Come August, yeah, all my all my shooting's got to be done before September. <laughs> That's so we're season ticket holders to all the football games there. So that is take precedent over shooting for the family stuff. So try to get uh, as much done before then as possible. Yeah, we've definitely talked about that. I didn't realize it last year because we've been traveling around kind of shooting together here lately. And yeah, come August. Football is priority number one, which obviously you get out there with the family. Sounds like you have a good time. Yes, sir. So how'd you get started in this whole precision rifle? Well, just in general, of rifles, and I didn't grow up hunting or didn't grow up doing any of that stuff. I had a co-worker, uh, Jared Ackerman, who kind of started hinting about it and talking about it. Um, I was looking for a hobby at the time, so I... Uh, uh, Followed him around to a local KPRC match and just kind of got uh, my eyes on things and you know figured I'd give it a shot. Didn't have a rifle, didn't own anything at the time of it. So once I kind of decided I wanted to jump into it, I went and bought a, a factory Savage rifle. Um, and this was all in 2018, so I haven't been doing it very long. Um, but went and bought a Savage before I'd ever actually even fired a rifle in order to take a class. Um, but uh, did a little class with uh, Todd Williams out there at Bullseye, um, kind of see if I wanted to get into it, and I enjoyed it, so I jumped kind of all in, but haven't been doing it long, just about 2018, so. Yeah, because a lot of the people I have on here is kind of the, the same thing, start with a Savage, maybe a Remington, but most of us have been Savage, yep. and then <clears throat> obviously, I don't know, I try to tell people if you jump in from the start, you actually end up saving money if you, if you go the custom route, or. Well, well nowadays you even go the production route. Right. But options that weren't available at the time. But And I didn't know what I was getting into either. So, I mean, it's the game's changed unbelievably in the last couple of years anyways. So Yeah. So what's your uh, what's your setup? What are you running for gear? Uh, I run a 6BRA, um, foundation stock, one of their old MG1s, um, impact action. Uh, switched it up this year and run a Leupold Mark V. Trigger Tech Diamond, Bartline Barrels, um, Ace Break, uh, Shooting Burger 105s, Alpha Brass and Varget, kind of the, the sweet mixture there. Um, and then I've got uh, Jake Schur up at Schur Firearms uh, spinning my barrels up for me this year. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. You're shooting, did you say caliber? Uh, 6 BRA. BRA. Yeah, Jake, uh, I'm shooting his obviously this year too. Give him a shout out. He ne- he's got it figured out, seems like. He- We've been stacking them on top of each other. All the, all my messes are on me, I can definitely say. Yeah, 
can't complain on it. So I've been happy with the way this year shaped out so far. So yeah, obviously we'll get into that number number five this last weekend, but we'll get into there's a couple matches I wanted to cover on here. But so your best pursuit precision shooting advice that you've ever been given. Pretty simple. It's trust your equipment. You're at this point once you kind of get into all the custom stuff. I mean, it's your equipment's not going to fail you. That's more of the mental game on things, um, and that's something I've always kind of struggled with. Of you know, I start to question elevation, or I start to question if stuff's starting to, you know, if it's if a rifle issue. If you know, I'm getting some flyers or things like that. Um, I mean, ninety-eight percent of the time it's me. So that's something over the kind of last couple of years I've had a you know, continue to tell myself, trust trust your equipment, trust it, trust it, trust it, and go from there. But that's, I mean, basically as simple as it is, is trust your equipment. I don't can't tell you who told me that, but it rings true uh, every time. So, Yeah, I think we've talked about it before, and we'll get into some of it. But a lot of it is the mental game. Like, if you have it running through your head, the guy, like you mentioned, the elevation, whatever's going wrong, it, it just plays, it wreaks havoc with, with what you got trying to go on. Trying to get it figured out. Uh, best advice that you would give a new shooter? Um, it'd be go to matches and see what the other guys are using um, as far as gear and things like that. But um, don't be afraid to ask questions. I don't think I've ever had a person I've ever wanted to ask a question to ever turn me down or, I mean, cold shoulder me. I mean, it's a whether it's on the local level or on the national level, I mean, everyone is willing to help. Um, answer questions. I mean, we all kind of like to show off our stuff and everything there. So, I mean, it would be, um, don't be afraid to just jump into it, um, ask questions, get out to local matches. You don't even have to shoot them, um, but just kind of watch and see what's going on. And something I haven't done, um, but even to RO a match, I mean, because you get to see, I mean, a countless number of the top shooters come through and you can see what they're doing, what they run, um, and just kind of see their process and the way they think. And, you know, a lot of these big-time matches, they're paying ROs to be there, so, I mean, it's, you can kind of get paid to learn some of that stuff, so, I mean, if you're new to it, um, don't be afraid to jump in, so, I mean, you're going to be afraid of it till you actually do. Yeah, that's, that's one of my biggest regrets is, <clears throat> I mentioned RO, and I ROed for a while, my daughter come out and ro with me, I even got my wife to come out, we'd spend a week in RO, and just not asking the questions. Some of these guys, like, one of the first ones I ROed out here at Punisher, Jake Vibbert was out here, and just a ton of people that obviously I know who they are now, Morgan King, and I kind of knew who they were then, but not asking questions I should have asked or even that I was wondering. Mm-hmm. And they, as long as you aren't doing it when they're shooting or getting ready to shoot and getting dope, they will answer, I guarantee anyone will answer whatever questions yep. you've got. Yep. Absolutely. So what, what do you know now that you wish you knew, kind of along the asking question, question deal, what do you know? now that you wish you knew when you had first started? How addicting the sport would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, coming from someone that was never into firearms or was never around any of it, I mean, just how addicting it is and, and how it just kind of reshapes your daily life. I mean, you get into kind of the shooting season and, and the time of reloading and gear prep and all that other stuff. I mean, it's I never would have guessed or imagined I'd say yes to doing something like this, but, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm a detail-oriented person, so... Not that I enjoy every part of reloading, but this the the fine tuning and the aspect of once you get your stuff figured out. And I mean, I find enjoyment in that. Um, and then I mean, just 
the amount of technology and just the upgrades and equipment and stuff that comes out, I mean, it helps speed some of that process up. But, um, yeah, if you would have told me five years ago that this is where I'd be now, I would have called you a liar. I think anyone else that knew me at the time would have told you the exact same thing. So, but And still to this day, I don't hunt, don't do anything there. I mean, it's um, fully precision rifle and things like that. So, I mean, it's, and I got a hell of a lot to learn on all that stuff, too. I'm by no means an expert or anything, but, again, I... You just surround yourself with buddies and, you know, anybody that you need to ask a question to is, and they're there to answer it. So that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it, but I talked to Chris, owns Apex Metal, we'll talk about him, but Chris, I, I talk to him almost daily. You and I are texting almost daily, right. texting yes. with Jake almost daily. Like, I keep in more contact with people I shoot with than yep. really my own family, to tell you the truth, like. I just I talk to my family once a week or every other week to see what's going on. But you guys, it's always what's going on here, what's going on there, what's the latest thing. What do you what do you figure out if you had some sort of issue? Yep. You know, so so yeah, it, it turns into you'll hear it a lot, but it turns into like a big family. Like yeah, you start seeing the same people at matches. And the Truets, like it's yeah, Tate was talking to them, talking to the Truets, just hanging out. It is it is pretty cool. Uh, it's almost a lifestyle. Yep, when it comes absolutely. To yep. So what do you do currently for training and practice? You, you mentioned you took one class. Is that the only class you've taken? No, I've, so training-wise, I did the class at Bullseye that Todd kind of, uh, he hosted it down there. And then he kind of helped mentor me kind of through my early part of teaching me how to reload and what any of that stuff was. Um, I went to the JTAC class last year was the other training I've done. Um. But as far as practicing, usually it's just when I'm breaking barrels in. It's hard to find much other time to actually get out there and do stuff. Um, try to use the club matches, I mean, just to stay fresh on stuff so you don't get stale. But as far as the actual practice, I mean, it'd be trying to get 200 rounds down a barrel and get it fouled out, get it broken in, and go from there. Yeah, same here. It's kind of, we've been out and I think we're kind of practicing January and December, yeah. but it, we were all breaking in barrels, you and I and Chris. Yeah. And then after that, it's almost a match. Two, we, two weekends two a month, week. every, three weekends a month between a club and a national match. Like, Yeah, it almost gets to where your practice is at the match or at the club yep. at the club level, yep. trying to stay fresh for the for the two days. Yep. I was the same way. I Well, Todd came out and he did a class for the podcast, and we had some guys out. He's gracious enough to do that for free for us. And mm-hmm. Ryan Moles let us use the range. We did that last year. And then I've, I've also done the JTAC. Can't say enough about it. Obviously, a lot of people talk about the price, this and that. But I think in the long run, I probably saved. Well, I also took a reloading class from Derek Love mm-hmm. when he was a match grade. So just between those classes, I think I'd probably end up saving money. Just learning from people that know what they're doing instead of me learning the hard way. Right. Like I, I started out with, but I, I can't say, I won't ever tell anybody not to take a class of some sort. No. And it's like the JTAC class for me, I felt like I kind of plateaued out in where I was at. And I knew I needed to get someone else's kind of train or thought or kind of open my eyes up to another aspect of things that I wasn't seeing, just being pigeonholed in the little that I knew. So, I mean, that's what I took out of that class of, just seeing, I mean, kind of the focus that's needed on every shot and just kind of their whole process and just how they break it down was, was extremely helpful. And, yeah. Um, it, 
really helped me out. So, I mean, it's it's a lot to process, kind of what they tell you, but, I mean, it's it kind of slows down, and, I mean, it's, it's it's something just with over time, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say, too. It's not, <clears throat> you're going to come out of the JTAC class and start taking first place, more than likely. No. But you'll see the process, like you had mentioned, that not to get into all their secrets, you need to take the class, but they have certain reason they do everything, as yeah. far as, like, before the stage, during a stage and after a stage, mm-hmm. there's certain stuff they do and you you catch on. Like one of them, for example, for me, I'd shoot. If I hit an impact, I moved on. I wasn't trying to pay attention to any more details than, mm-hmm. all right, the steel rocked. Let's move on to the next. Well, they teach you what to look for and where to look for it yep. to, to go to move on to that next. Well, that next you process. get through other processes of it that everything starts to slow down. So, I mean, that stuff's kind of on autopilot, but then you can... You can, it opens your eyes to things that you didn't know existed or things that you could see just because, I mean, no one, just your focus was never that deep or that detailed into it. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. I went to that class, learned a ton, and I'm still learning, trying to go back and look at my notes, trying to process what they had talked about. And you talked about, I think you mentioned slowing down. It finally seems like this year that a stage is starting to slow down, or it used to be just, Rush, rush, rush! Trying to get these impacts. Just look and see if it was, if it was hitting or missing. It finally feels like a, the stages are starting to slow down a little bit. Two yep. minutes or ninety seconds seems like it's longer now than what it, what I remember it being last year. When you can process what just happened during during your time on the clock there, where you know when you're you're new kind of into it. I mean that two minutes. If it's a two minute stage, I mean flies by and you look back and you know people try to ask your wind holds or whatever else. I mean you can't. You can't tell them because I mean you're you weren't fully involved in it. Your, your kind of eyes are wide open during the headlights after it, trying to pull yourself together. But it all, I mean, just kind of started to slow down for me after that JTAC class. So yeah, I remember, and I still did it. We'll talk a little bit about Clay's class, but or Clay's match. But I think last year and even the year, before, especially the year before, I was just winging it. If I missed, I didn't really measure. I just kind of I was winging it from then on out. And it you you can't do that if you want to be competitive and want to start hitting no, a with lot it, more steel. Yeah, and with that training, I mean, it's there's never enough training that anyone could ever possibly get. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, I will never master this sport, and I, will, I mean, it's just not ever going to be something. So, I mean, it's, and I like to learn, so it's always good to get new people's takes and new people's reasonings of why they do stuff, and I mean, that's what I enjoy about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's going to master it. No. Um, so that brings us into, if you could take precision rifle class from anyone, two to three people, who would it be and why? Why would you want to take or learn from those folks? Well, I mean, one of them, right off the top of head, would be Bushman, who I'm fortunate enough to, we kind of have our little super, Kansas super squad with our Oklahoma panhandle member of it. But um, it's, I'm fortunate enough, a lot of our national matches I get to shoot with him so I can watch and see what he does and things like that. But, I mean, his consistency in and out of every match and every shot is just unbelievable. Um, so, I mean, it's, I think if I could get a two-hour just one-on-one time with him, I think, again, it would just open my eyes to so much more there. Just I mean, Like the JTAC guys on that, I mean, yeah, I took the class, but I'd take it from them again. Um, but just those guys being able to be top shooters and hold consistency every match is just something that, is unbelievable to me, just given the, the weather conditions and how much actually goes on. 
at a single match for them to repeatedly do what they do is something that I just find truly amazing. Yeah. Mine's the same. Bushman, he, and he's not, he doesn't hold back. He, Bushman is, he's like a computer. So if you don't know, I need to have Bushman on. He's a, he's an engineer and he does all his stuff by percentages, which I don't know if I'll ever get to that level, but he does percentages of wind, percentages of distance to distance. Then your wind has to be this percentage because this target is this percentage from this. Like he is a machine. And he's a whole different way that I, I don't, don't view a stage or a course fire. Yeah. I make, I make my wind brackets. I make three or four wind brackets this weekend. I think I got up to five at Clay's. Austin Bushman does one wind in his scope cap in that little circle and then just runs percentages up or down off of that and just kills it. So, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'd like to maybe do some private lessons from Justin or, or Tate or Clay right. or yeah. Austin. Yeah. Or Gain or Austin Bushman. But, yeah, I mean, obviously anybody at the top of the game right now, Morgan King, some of them guys that. Just a different perspective because I think even when I took the JTAC class, they, they split you up with different instructors, and I learned a little bit from Tate. And then Justin tells it the same info but just a little bit different mm-hmm. way of, of uh, delivering the info. And you pick up a little bit off each, each of them, so I'd like to do that. Yep. Get with some of those guys just because they, they teach it different or they talk about it different or say something different that, that sticks with you. And everybody learns a different way, so it's <laughs> just to get someone else's take on it. I mean, it can be that same information, but... I mean, just what makes sense from one to the other. So, yeah. yep. So, we've shot just about every match together this year. We've shot Texas. We'll run through them real quick, and we'll kind of figure out what we learned from each of them. So, we shot Texas match. Last year, we had six or seven of us from Kansas went yep. down. That was a yep. good time. This year, is just you and I. It didn't really work out for, for yep. many of the other guys. That's um, an early match, just kind of finishing off. Yeah. yeah the end of the year before so it's kind of a when you either want to commit to and get the whole season started because it's downhill from there or not yeah didn't really work out the way i wanted to i don't think it worked out really the way you wanted to either but no shook the rest off yeah we got to texas and we snuck down kind of snuck down to foul for a a one day in february just shot an stc match long long ago and then we got to clays for a two day so of those what four two nationals and Two one days. Yep. What did you learn? What stands out to you from each of those, or or just one of those? What stands out the most to you? I'm tired of Mother Nature and the weather. <laughs> yeah. So the Texas match. I mean, I think everyone thought. I mean, shooting in the rain and the mud for two days straight. Just havoc. It wreaks on your gear, but um, I mean, gear formed as it's, you know should and has its intended. So that was not an excuse. But it's two days in the rain is more than you know, I prefer, um, but the match down in, at Falbor, I think it was just a little cold, but weather was fine on it. STC match, it was great weather, um, and then again last week at Clay's, the wind was, the wind and the dust and the elements are just, were brutal. Um, tough, extremely tough match, but I'd say my biggest takeaway so far in the year has been just those, the weather and the elements have kind of taken a toll on Every match you shoot, it's no fun to have to come back and spend an extra day and a half cleaning all your gear out. So yeah, you, I've made a couple of posts that yeah. After the Texas match, I come down and we were just talking about it before this. That I told my tore my gun completely down except for 
taking the barrel off the action. I took the trigger off, took it out of the stock, which I usually don't do if I'm just cleaning the barrel. Took the trigger off, took the brake off, and just scrubbed everything after the Texas match and after Clayton. In fact, after day one in the Airbnb, you and I were in the kitchen scrubbing everything down, down, taking it all down. So I've had enough of that already this year, just after two two day matches. But yeah, it was the same thing. Texas match, shooting in the rain. Um, one major point that I wanted to make. So you and I both aren't sponsored. So we're shooting gear that we know works. Yep. That I know. And Texas match, I couldn't tell you how many people, but I heard a bunch of triggers that went down at the Texas match, getting water in them, stuff like that. Um, Clay's match, I guarantee there were triggers. In fact, I think Justin Watts had a trigger go down. He had a backup, and he'd come back in still finished fourth or fifth or mm-hmm. third or something like that, even with scoring like a tube as the trigger went down. Like We're shooting stuff that we know works, right. and yeah. none of it's been given to us. Nope. And that that's really what keeps you in the game, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the weather and the elements that we've shot in. I mean, I haven't had a single gear issue through it. So, I mean, it's that makes life a heck of a lot easier and <laughs> makes shooting fun when you're not having to, you know, to try to fix equipment on the clock or, in the middle of a match and just the added stressors that that can lead into it. So been fortunate enough so far this year that haven't had any issues. So. Yeah. I think that's another, for me at least, that's another one of the mental pieces. I'm not worried about something breaking or something mm-hmm. going down. Uh, and we'll get into kind of what gear we take with us. Yep. But yeah, that, that mental piece, I can't say it enough. Just trusting your gear and knowing that's going to run. <clears throat> Things will happen. I mean, it's, it's all part of it, but I mean, it's, you can do your best to minimize a lot of it. And, I mean, a lot of this equipment is to the point where, I mean, the amount of dust that was blowing in our actions and everything this yeah. last week, and, and to not even, I mean, for that bolt that I won't say it ran smooth the entire time. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> times it's a little gritty and got hung up, but I mean, it's, it, everything performed great for me on my end of things. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm getting into our next question. They're kind of gear related, but for a new shooter, so. Someone asked you, in fact, you were out there helping me when I got one of the new shooters. I won't mention his name. I'm not sure if he wants me to mention his name. but So you're out there when we're getting one of the new shooters set up. Someone asked you, hey, they want to come out and check it out, or they want to come out and shoot. What gear are you telling them is essential? What do they have to bring, at least, to get started? Uh, I'd say, you know, a rifle and scope that you're, I mean, that you're comfortable with, one that you've been, you know, behind. Yeah, a lot of us do have backups and things like that that we can we can lend out and let people borrow. But like one thing for me getting into it is I wouldn't have been comfortable handling someone else's rig just because it's so new to me. Um, so if you've got something that you can shoot and a scope that you you know tracks and is um, can get you on target, I mean bring that out. But and then a, a calculator um, to try to figure out your own dope. A lot of us, I mean, with like the Ford Off app and everything else, I mean, an experienced shooter can quickly kind of get you figured out based on, you know, the your speeds and what bullets and everything you're shooting. Um, but basically, I'd say rifle scope, your dope, and then a way to access or read your dope. So like either a wrist coach or a piece of tape that people are putting on their hands or things like that. Um, but as far as bags or any of that stuff, I mean, if you're with somebody that shoots, you can borrow all that stuff. Don't go out and just buy something just to buy something because you think you need to have it. I mean, all of us got extra stuff for even, I mean, are more than willing just to let you borrow it or, I mean, 
can get your hands on the stuff. Um, it's that would be my biggest thing is don't be afraid to take what you got and go out there. Everyone can help fill the gaps that you, of what you don't have equipment wise. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my same thing. So <clears throat> have a rifle. Uh, scope you can dial dope on and have some sort of dope. Even if you if you shoot at a range, you have a hundred yard zero that's good, and you even if you have dope to two hundred, three hundred, we can almost figure it out to everything else you need. Bags, I've got. I'm kind of a gear nut. I bought. I got Armageddon gear bags. I got wee bad bags. I've got all sorts of bags. I got too many bags, so I'm telling you, when, don't do what I did, and you just buy a bunch of different bags. I need to sell some off or actually give some away, do some do some giveaways on here or something. But but yeah, like it bag isn't even necessary. A rifle, your dope, and a rifle you can actually or a scope that you can dial of some sort. MOA or or Milrad, whatever whatever you've got, we can make it work. So getting into that, what gear do you bring to a match? Obviously your rifle. What do you bring for backup gear or extra gear? Um, as far as backup gear, I've got a backup rifle that, other than the scope, I mean, matches my match rifle, so it's got the same kind of feel on it. Um, I haven't had to pull it out yet, but I know I've got it, so there's some, you know, some comfortability there. Um, I run the same ammo through both. I mean, Jake's been both barrels, so I mean, they shoot almost identical, so um, that makes things a heck of a lot easier. Um, in my bag that I carry with me, I've got an extra trigger and an extra firing pin for my action. Um, but those would be kind of the only extra <coughs> components that I carry with me like at a match. Um, just some of that other gear for like those no shooters and things that I use. I mean, a Kestrel, and I don't run mine. Mine's not a, a calculator or anything. I run mine just for straight weather environmentals. Um, and then I run the Ford Off app on my phone. As far as bags and stuff that I use, I use a wee bad uh, tater tot for my positional bag. I've got a polyfill game changer that I use for my, my rear bag shooting chrome. Uh, i got a Vortex tripod and the, the uh, Kaibab binos that I run on that stuff. Um, but that, that's kind of my extra stuff. But as far as, I mean, things that I'm nervous about that I leave in the truck, I mean, backup rifle stays in there. I've got extra bags like various things. I've, everyone makes fun of me because how much I've stitched my bags together just because I don't. They work for me. I don't like trying to break new bags in or switch. I mean, until it completely dumps its sand out on a stage, I'm probably going to keep using it. But, I mean, red stitching and shoe goo keeps them together for me. Um, but I've got, I've got extra game changer and I've got an extra tater top that just ride in the truck just in case, you know, they do finally bite the dust on me. But, I mean, that's, that's my extra stuff that I carry. So yeah. I think between, I've given you a hard time about your bags and uh, Greg. Greg's got one that's got some, it's sewn up and shoe goo. I think he's got some shoe goo on it. But yep. It's hard to get rid of that bag once it gets broke in. And it's, it was crazy to me. So I started out just using a Armageddon gear. I think Smedium for everything. <coughs> Sandfield for everything. And you guys were shooting wee bad, tater tot. I'm shooting tater tot. Use and so I, I tried one out. I was like, oh, there can't be that much of a difference. I tried it out. And it, it's ridiculous. I love it. it yep. And it turns into a whole new bag. If you saw a brand new one when you get it for a wee bad, and the bags, especially yours, yours is even more broken than mine. 
it looks like two different bags. Like you wouldn't think it was the same bag yeah. that it comes with. So you got to get them out. You got to get it, you gotta shoot them. Uh, but I'm kind of the same way. So for for spare gear, I don't bring a spare rifle. I might now that I've got the same setup that you've got as far as Jake spinning up a couple extra barrels for me. I've got another one to break in, but I think I might do the same thing as far as bring a rifle along. It'll shoot the same ammo. <clears throat> right now what I carry in my bag, I carry a spare trigger. I carry a, fair, a spare firing pin assembly, like the whole assembly, and the tool to remove it and put it back in. And I even carry a spare bolt. Other than that, I don't carry a spare scope. I'm thinking about actually putting one in with rings. Because I've, really, of anything that I've seen go down, that's going to be it. It's going to be your trigger, it's going to be your bolt, the firing pin, or it's going to be your scope. Yep. So, of those things, I think you can almost get away with, with carrying that stuff. A spare rifle is going to be quicker. If you got to change out, like you go get it, you might go down one stage, get a, well, like we were talking about Justin, he had a, a uh, trigger go down, you might get a two on a stage, but then you're right back in the fight. So, mm -hmm. if you're trying to, like I said, is it a must-have? No. If you're trying to be competitive and do the best you can, then it doesn't not make sense to bring spare right. stuff along. You know. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm almost in the same boat, other than the spare rifle. I got one here at the house. I might start dragging it along because even if I need to just take the scope off of it, I'll take the scope off of it. But it really makes it a lot easier if it's shooting the same ammo. Just to grab it. I'll yeah. just yeah switch the whole thing out. Yep. And then you're set. You already know your zero straight. You, yeah. It, like I said, is it necessary? No. Is it a mental? Is it another mental piece that that keeps your head in the game and you aren't worried about? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So then we spend a lot of money to go down to these matches and travel, and I mean to get down there and have equipment go down. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about. I've talked about this. It's even JTAX talked about it. Like it's basically a thousand dollar weekend when yep. you start adding in fuel and money and entry fee cost and ammo cost and everything else so for me at least i'm not i'm not made of money like some of these folks no. and uh for me to spend that much money i want to at least finish and see what i see what i got going on you know yeah. see what's going on for the rest of the, the year uh get some points out of it on a lot of that stuff too like that i put on my backup it's been from price table <laughs> grabs of things like that so slowly putting you know the components together to where i you know, can do it so yeah well what did i think you got what, your impact action was a prize table yeah, serve? from the Punisher match last year, so it was a half-off serve, so I mean, that helped get that aspect of it. Um, the scope that I got on the backup now is my tangent that I got in a raffle giveaway at Punisher a couple of years ago, so yeah. extremely fortunate for that situation. But, I mean, things, being able to get those little prize table grabs to kind of stash and kind of use and slowly put one together is kind of how I've gotten to be able to have a backup. So yeah, that's kind of the same for me. I've grabbed last year. I grabbed a couple of Bartland barrel certificates. So I got those for this year. <clears throat> I think that's another thing to bring up. So we're into this year. I don't know about you. I think we've talked about this. I've got all my components to get me through this year. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the same, I think. But yeah. this year, I'm buying components or trying to stack things up for next year. Because yeah. you're always trying to stay ahead. Because obviously, if you've shot enough, you know how. The whole COVID piece went and trying to get components was a mess. So just trying to stay a year ahead is smart for me to try to, right. try to keep up with it. Just thinking ahead, like last year I got stuck where I had brass that was worn out and I just, I couldn't find anything. 
I mean, so I, I stretched it out longer than I should have and started to have some issues. And But, you know, I was able to get my hands on some alpha brass this year. And, you know, it's, it's again, a great relief that you can look ahead far enough and know that you've got what you need to get in order to, you know, get to the end of the year. So. But you can't just quit. You've always got to be looking, I mean, for next year and things like that. So it seems like, you know, components are coming a little bit more available as far as powders. And I saw some primers pop back up earlier this week but it's still kind of that same chase on brass and, and bullets for me so but. yeah bullets are getting hot like yeah we've kind of talked about the burger issue yep trying to keep up on those but yeah that's that's kind of my deal too i've got some spares of parts and pieces that i'll i'll use to barter for other parts and yep. pieces if yep. need be and and yeah if you're <clears throat> if you're deep enough into it you know enough people are where to look that you can kind of find some stuff or you barter Mm-hmm. Some stuff that you have that, that you you need for other stuff. So what's what's the last piece of precision rifle gear that you bought, you're excited to use, or you have been using that is good enough for you to use that you'd like to get the word out that you think people need to check out? Um, as far as actual gear goes, I mean, this year I switched to the Leupold Mark V. Um, I was kind of hesitant jumping into it, but just for... For me, in my eyes, it seemed like I could just see shots. I could see Trace a little bit better with it. Um, so that's been something that's been a big change for me this year, but I'm extremely happy with kind of how the season's, you know, progressed and um, just getting more comfortable with it. Um, another piece would be on my reloading setup. Um, I recently got one of the Ingenuity Precision Powder Meters, and I don't know how many times I've texted you and Jake about just every time I use it. I mean, just how much quicker it made that whole operation. And uh, it's it's when you can save time, you know, thing costs three or four hundred bucks, but the amount of time it can save in a sitting is well worth it. And I mean, it's made my life reloading a heck of a lot easier. And the last couple of years, I, I mean, I'd had completely different setups. I had multiple charge masters in order to kind of keep up to try to slow keep that process going um, but didn't like having multiple different basically powder measures running because I mean you're gonna have inconsistencies between them um, each of them individually ran great but um, just entering more opportunities for error once you have multiples of those going and kind of jumped into a match master which it ran great but it just wasn't fast enough for what I wanted to do and uh, was able to get finally get into the auto trickler. I bought a used V2 from Baxter and then got that Ingenuity powder meter on it and I cannot complain. I mean, it's <laughs> how quick it drops them and it's accurate. And I mean, it's just, it makes life so much easier just to get up and go. So it's, it's that would be the, that's the thing I'm most <laughs> excited about because I can turn the reloading for a national match, you know, 250 rounds or so and I can have it done in basically just over an hour or usually used to before taking three hours to get that same thing done. So it allows me to procrastinate a little bit more than what I used to. Um, that'd be my biggest thing is that thing is, uh, thing's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my same too. I've talked about it. I don't know if I talked about it on here before, but I talked about it with you and Chris and Jake that we've got as much wrapped up in our reloading tables as we do our rifles really. Mm-hmm. So now it just comes down to, I'll spend the money to make it quicker and spend less time. And it's usually more precise. Yep. And you're spending less time at the reloading table. Because like we talked about, these weekends are expensive. Usually we're spending them away from the family on top of that. Yep. So anytime that I can spend 
less time at the reloading table, more time with the family or more time on the range, then it just comes down. It comes, comes with a price. Yep. So, <clears throat> and I'm willing to pay it to spend less time and be more precise yep. at the table. Like you said that I was using a V3. I didn't get into the V4. I kind of held off. I was using a V3 auto trickler with my A and D scale. And then, yeah, this Ingenuity Gunworks. I didn't get in on the initial one. Chris got one on the initial one, sent me videos. Really had me upset I didn't get in on the initial one. I got in the second round. I think you got in on the third round mm-hmm. that they went in. Ridiculous. If you've got an A&D and got the – you really need the A&D or the other – I can't remember what the other scale is. And you need at least a V2, if not a V3, mm-hmm. auto trickler, and then you get the Ingenuity Gunworks and this – so how I do it, tell me if you do it any different. I'll drop powder, drops powder on the scale, I dump it into a already primed piece of brass, and then I seat that bullet. Put the I put the cut back on the deal, seat the bullet, and by the time I seat that bullet and I put it in my container, mm-hmm. it's ready for me to dump another powder in another. Like it's there's no downtime. Yeah. Is right. how it works out for me. I used to, I've got my my powder scale on one bench and my seating press and everything's on another. So before I got the, the new powder meter, I would basically drop powder, fill up that, that case, drop a bullet in it, walk over, seat that bullet, and then come back and I'm still waiting for my charge to finish up. Now in the new setup, I mean, I'm by the time I even just set a bullet in it, it's, it's ready to go. So I run, I drop powder through all mine to set a bullet to cover each of them up. And then I'll go over to the other table and I'll just seat all the bullets all at that one point. So, I mean, it's, it's where before I was, I mean, getting my steps in back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just killing time. I mean, now it's, I mean, by the time you, by the time you're moving your funnel over to the next case, I mean, it's, it's ready to dump. So it's, yeah, it, it's a, Unbelievable. <laughs> I like this setup. I ha- I haven't ever personally done it. I've seen it and heard of people. I used to just dump powder. I'd put a bullet on it to cover it up. Dump powder. I do I do my rows from top to bottom. Do them left to right, top to bottom, whatever your process mm-hmm. is. But I've heard and seen of people that skip a whole row. And I think the way I've got it now, they'd skip a row and wouldn't put any powder. So they'd have a primer end up having squibs and, right. and just enough to push their that bullet down there barrel enough to get hung up i think i've got it now to where i i pour powder in i seat put a bowl on top i seat it there's no way i can have a squid yep so yep that just another piece of like i said another piece of that mental the mental issue or keeping your head in it that you know that this is going to go bang when you need it to go bang yep and just being in in the game <coughs> so yeah i'm saying same way the only the newest thing i've got is my uh my loophole bino. So I went from some Kaibabs to a loophole, the BX5, 15 by 56. I can't remember, Santiums or whatever. And I I had, didn't do a side-by-side comparison. Um, but I can see everything I, I need to see. Like, I, I really like them. They're 15 power. I like that piece because I shoot usually at 17 power on positional stuff with my loophole Mark V. Sometimes I'll run up to 20 or 25 if we're doing some prone stuff that I know I'm not moving around or have to find a bunch of targets. So I like the fact that I can look through my binos at 15 power, shoot a 17th power. They're pretty same, pretty close to similar so that the uh, 
sight picture is going to be the same from yep. when I go from my spotter to my scope. Uh, but that that'd be my newest piece, and like I said, Ingenuity Gun Works I used just at the end of last year, and yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Absolutely, crazy accurate, crazy fast. Definitely check those out. <coughs> um, all right, so we kind of talked about what we've shot as far as the Texas loophole two mate two day mass, Justin's February mass, STC. What did you learn, or what sticks out to you from each of those matches? that you carried on to a next match or that you really came back and practiced when you were breaking in a barrel, any of those? <clears throat> the biggest thing for me was basically just getting used to the new scope and the new reticle. I'm so used to just the two tenths subtensions in it to now running the quarters. So that's been the biggest change for me, just trying to get better with it. So every match I'm more comfortable thinking less about what I'm looking at and it just becoming more natural to me. Um, but just shaking the rest off and, Again, the weather was kind of miserable through a couple of those. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's uh, just getting used to it, shaking the rest off, kind of getting back into it. And new gunsmith, kind of new scope. And I started over on a lot of stuff this year. So, yeah. But um, just getting more comfortable with all my stuff. Is... My, yeah, mine's kind of the same way. Texas match, I didn't shoot nearly what I wanted to, or as well as I wanted to. I'd, I thought I had everything lined out, and I get down there and I notice that I'm slapping the trigger or just doing some stupid stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Kind of upset me. Motivated me for the next one. We went down to Justin's. I think I shot real well there. I liked it. We had 9, 10, 12 mile an hour winds that were almost full value the whole day, so that boosts my confidence a bit. <coughs> I get the STC match. It's having some elevation issues, which I think I narrowed down. So for me at least, I was using Virgin Alpha Brass, and I I think I had um, yeah tight necks. I I was I seed on an Arbor Press, and I was using 109 burgers, and on some of them were so hard to seat that I was leaving rings on the bullets. Like it was just ridiculous how how tight. But the same thing I saw at Texas, same thing I saw at Justin's. I don't. So I don't know. I, it might have been me. I can't narrow it down, but I think everything went high. So it could have been me. I've, I've noticed <clears throat> that if I get in a hurry, sometimes I will end up high because I, I think I press too, press down on the cheek piece too much with my face when I get in a hurry. So it could have been me. I don't know. Um, we went to Clay's. Obviously, I got all that stuff straightened out. I went to Clay's with all once-fired brass. And everything seated just as smooth as as can be. I don't have <clears throat> I don't have a pressure gauge on my Arbor Press. I know a lot of people do, but all the people I've talked to, if they have one that seats heavy, they don't do anything with it. That they just put it in their box anyway, or in their caddy or whatever they're pulling stuff. So I didn't get the art the uh, pressure meter, but every one of them I loaded for clays was just smooth, like top to bottom, no extra pressure. So obviously, again, that was a metal piece. But <clears throat> the one thing I want to bring about, about Clay is I don't know if I was talking to you or I was talking to Jake because we squatted together. Um, stage one at Clay's, I took a three. I think a three. I don't think it was the best for you either on no, stage I, one. No, that'd be something I could <laughs> kind of talk about too. Something. I mean, I started out with a two. On a, I mean, as calm as the winds were going to be in that match in the morning. And, and it really wasn't a hard stage that no. we started on. Pulled a two, 
just was completely mentally in my head, was wanting to question elevation, things like that. Because, I mean, that match you don't see. There's no burns, so your misses are, it's hard to tell. So, I just, I got in my own head quickly on that first stage. But, I mean, was able to come out of it and get my stuff. I mean, I cleaned the next stage. So, I mean, was able to kind of rebound and just put that one behind me. So, I guess, as to answer your question on that one, as the year's gone on so far as, I've been able to kind of shed a bad stage and just move on from it where before I'd kind of dwell on it and kind yep. of keep questioning, keep questioning it, wonder why, 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 instead of just get it out of your head and just move on, trust your stuff and, and go. And that basically, I mean, it worked for me the rest of the 19 stages. So. Yeah, you definitely bounce back. I think we even talked about it. Yep, don't worry about elevation. We'll confirm it at a different yeah. at a different one. But I think our next one was kind of a long stage. It was a prone. <clears throat> it was a prone, which was obviously better. We started off on a uh, positional stage and then we went to a prone and obviously your elevation was on because you were just hammering after that but yeah that was my, that's my biggest deal with clay so clay put it put the word out there were going to be small targets obviously we're in oklahoma we know there's going to be wind yep. um but i got i think i said it to jake we got three to four in i got a three on the first stage i think i got i got my book around somewhere maybe a six or seven or eight and I was upset. Like, that is not good shooting for me. <laughs> but I wasn't factoring in the weather. Because the wind picked up by then. And I wasn't factoring everybody else was shooting. So I got in my own head. So this is one of my... Obviously, I'm preaching to the choir. And I've, I say it a bunch. But I I was doing exactly what I was saying not to do. I got in my own head. And I think Tate's actually the one that come, that come down <clears throat> from up on that one side of the range. And Tate... Was helping Clay with the match, and uh, I don't know if he's over there or not, but he yeah. told us he's like, hey, he even said, you know, Kansas boys, we were kind of all in the same, Jake and you and I and Austin, kind of honorary Kansas shooter. And Tate even come by and said, hey, keep your head in the match because everybody else is shooting. He said, so and so just got a zero up there on stage, whatever. So you guys are shooting in, and I know you said it's going to be a tough match. Keep your head in it. Yep. So yep. that's the biggest thing I learned from Clay is we. He had this real cool. He was not using uh, practice score. He was using that ultimate ballistics that they used over for the World Cup and for the AG Cup. So you could actually check, and it was crazy quick. As soon as you got done shooting almost, it. I can guarantee you as soon as your, your squad was done shooting a stage, it was updated, and you could check the scores. I didn't check the scores until we went down to the other side. So we were like four or five stages in. And that's really when it kind of set in for me. We shot one down on the bottom where the bottom is, and then you kind of walk up the hill, and we, we shot three or four up there. And, of course, I'm like I said, I'm in my head the whole time. Well, we, we walk down. We have that long walk. I get down to the bottom, and I look, and I think I was in, I was in 25th or 20 to 25th, <clears throat> which I could have swore in my head I would have been like, 80th to 100th out of 120 shooters because yep. that's just the way I thought I was shooting. And I, you know, with, if the wind wasn't as bad as it was for everybody, I think I probably wouldn't be down there. But the whole point is, I got in my own head. I yep. saw that and I was like, oh, well, shoot, I can come back, you know, stick in this thing. Yeah, I'm actually I'm in, the, in, it. I'm in the fight. I think you were fifth or seventh. I think you had looked probably at the same time. So I didn't there. try to look because I don't, again, I don't need to give myself any reason to get in my own head. Um, I think someone else was looking and asked me if I wanted to know where I was at, and I said sure. And I think I was sitting in like seventh, which I mean, I was completely shocked after pulling a two on the first stage. So, 
I mean, that kind of, it shouldn't have changed my mindset on the match. I should have the mindset anyways to go in and, I mean, be successful on it. Um, but it kind of showed me that it's anybody's match at that point and just to stick with it. So, I mean, it, it's not something I typically want to know or worry about. But, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it kind of switched or flipped a switch for me. Up shooting the best national match I've shot, and I mean it's yep. it doesn't mean anything unless I can, you know, kind of follow it up and keep to it. So it's could have been just dumb luck, but hopefully we'll be able to kind of put some things together here. But yeah. Definitely proud to have shot that match and finished where I did with the difficulty of it. So I mean it's that's what I need to keep pushing for. So. Yeah, I definitely had some some shooters there. It was Austin Orgain won it, but. Like we talked about, you had Bushman there, Gossett, Ben Gossett was there. Obviously, AG Cup cleaned that third day. Bushman cleaned the whole Texas match that we were at. Like, <clears throat> there were some shooters for our squad too. I mean, Chris Ofer and Kevin Jensen and Ben Gossett, and I mean, there's kind of a, I mean, half of our squad was kind of in that top fifteen, or I mean, more than half of our squad was in the top fifteen or so for most of the match. So, I mean, just to be able to kind of watch those guys, and I mean, it's yeah, it's an individual sport, but. And everyone's competing against each other, but kind of the camaraderie that comes with it, I mean, makes those matches fun. So yeah. to be involved in kind of the group and the hunt that we were all in, I mean, it was a good time. Yeah, you, that was another thing I learned from Clay. So keep my head in it. Obviously, everybody else was shooting the same stuff we were shooting in. And it was, Clay and Tate advertised it being a very fair match as far as everything was about the same size targets. You had prone stages. Basically, every other stage was a prone stage almost. Like, it was extremely fair. So, that, that may have been what kept me in it, too. You, there was one, <laughs> one part of the range wasn't favorable to the other based on where you started. So yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And yeah. The other, so, the other piece that I learned from Clay's was, in fact, stage one was stick with what I know is what I learned. So, yeah. stage one, just to go through it real quick, um, I think it was only two targets. Yeah, two or three targets. Two targets and near and afar. Near and afar, and we shot prone. Where's your first position? And they they called them some buoys. I think they end up pipe supports. Yeah, yeah, pipe supports for for oil or pipelines or whatever. But they're just these little buoy or support looking deals that were two foot off the ground, and then you bagged it from there. Or it's positional. You shot it how you wanted. So Austin and Gossett were talking about it, and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I'll I bipod. And use my rear bag on, table. on yeah, on the first one I used my bipod and rear bag because it was a prone. And I got up on there and I was gonna use a tack table in my bag because anytime you can use your bipod, use your bipod because it's and a rear bag because it's gonna be your most supported and most stable position. Well, I haven't used a tack table enough and I get the crazy idea that yeah, these guys are gonna do it and it is, it's gonna be the most stable. But you gotta have it set up almost perfect every time i did not set it up perfect every time and i ended up pulling a three <clears throat> so where that really got in my head so i pulled that three obviously kept going on kind of battled through it on day two we had the same setup on the tires yep. and a lot of the guys were shooting in fact jay tackle teaches this which obviously it makes sense use your bipod and rear bag every chance you get because it's the most stable well, I think you end up shooting the tires, bipod, rear bag. Yep, yep. And you didn't do bad, I don't think. I think I dropped two and then timed out before my last shot, but it's because yeah. I, I mean, couldn't get 
into position. So I was going to shoot. I started off. My game plan was to shoot by a pod rear bag. Again, well, then I saw almost everybody timed out. Yep. Just it was two different targets at just enough of a pan and just enough of a distance <coughs> that you had to. You couldn't just shoot one shot and you stayed on it and shot the other shot. You had to pan enough and wiggle around enough. Yep. And then it alternated near far, then far near. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the stages that went near far and new position, then far near, then new right. position near far. Yep. So I come up with that. I was going to shoot it, just bagging it. I know I can be almost as stable just bagging it as I can rear bag and bipod. So I bagged it, ended up pulling a seven or even an eight, got all the way through it. Um, the wind got me on a couple of times. It's kind of a headwind. So I think the wind got me on a couple of them, but pulled a seven or eight. It was a good choice. I stuck with what I knew. I needed to keep telling myself that. Wish I would have done that on the first one. So that's that's a couple of things I pulled from from Clay's deal. Um, let's see here. Your goals for twenty twenty three. What are your national and regional slash club goals? Let's say national. <laughs> I like the top fifty finish at the end of the year. I've kind of flirted around the top one hundred in and out of it over the last couple of years. Um, my goal is top 50. We'll see if I can hit it. And then as far as regional and club, my goal is to win them. I finished last year, I think, fourth in the KPRC, and I think I finished fourth or fifth in the Midwest region. So um, my goals would be to, to win those this year. So that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. Mine, I did my goals a little bit different. I wanted to, which I haven't met any of them, so <laughs> obviously they're good goals, but I wanted to score – for scores-wise, I figured I'd do it score-wise because it kind of puts me where the leader's at. Right. So for national matches, I wanted to score 90s or above, which, like I said, I haven't done that for either of them. Kind of got skull drug of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Texas was not a good match. I, could, I should have scored over a 90 at Texas. Like yeah. I, that was all on me. Yeah. Um, because I think the top 50 or 60 was a 90% or above. Yeah. Like I should I should have been in there. Very if, generous match. Yeah. And then... Clay's match, I think it was a 78. I got 14th. That's I, 14th is my highest placement in a national match along with Oki, I think, spring or summer. Last year I got 14th. So it was, it was one of my best matches, but Austin Orgain just ran away with it. He yep. was just shot lights out. Because I think, well, we talked about you and fifth got 86. Yeah, 86. I mean, fifth, fifth place, place didn't even pull 90. So yep. I haven't met either of those goals. My regional goal is to score... Regional and club matches is to shoot a 95% or better. And I I don't know. We'll see how it works this year. But I just tried putting a number on it this year because that kind of puts me where the leader's at. Obviously, the um, I won just as match, so I got 100% there. This STC, I was having an elevation. I, I think I got like an 81%. So I didn't I didn't meet my goal there. So it still gives me – I like I like it. I'm going to stick with those goals. It still gives me motivation and something to strive for. So I think I'm going to stick with those. Obviously, I want to try and win every match that I get in national right. or I, I am a realist. I don't know. I'm not going to ruin every match I get in, but I mean that's the goal. I'm not going out there to no, like, get tenth place or fifth place no. or whatever. You know, well, the club level for me. I mean, I guess I'd say I want an outright win because I don't have an outright win in a club match. <clears throat> I've, I've got a couple ties for first. You do uh, have one. I do have right. one. I guess down at Falbor last year, but in the KPRC match, I still haven't. Been an outright winner of them. I pulled countless second, third places. So I mean, that's 
that's the hurdle and the jump I'm at is to get that trophy with the one on it. Yeah, but you are, if they're either of us for sure, you are pretty consistent as far as, right. well, your national matches and your regional matches. Like you're always, regional, you're always in the single digits mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. And your national matches, you've been up there in the top 20 mm-hmm. how many times? A handful of times and yeah. float kind of in that top 30. But got plenty of them where I haven't done what I needed to do and have had bad batches, but. That's my big thing too, I guess, is just become more, be more consistent, just raise my that consistency level, and hopefully with that should come some better finishes and some better turnouts for me. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, definitely big goals, but I think they're well for both of them. I think they're attainable, you know. That and obviously, like I said, if I, if I don't reach those, that's just more motivation that right. kind of gets me wound up to to go out there and shoot better. Um, one of the other big ones. So you've got a special invite this year. What talk about that? I've mentioned it before with Greg Harris, but uh, mention that. What a, what did you get an invite to this year? Uh, the the shoot with the pros um, kind of match that foundation and impact put on. I'm down at Twisted Barrel, um, so I was fortunate to receive an invite to go down there as a pro um, and help out. So I think that's April 14th and 15th. Um, so I'm excited to do that hard for me to put in words to be a pro and help try to teach other people because I feel like I still got so much to learn so I'm just excited to go down there and kind of meet meet those people kind of get involved with them and um, just kind of take in that whole opportunity so something I'm excited about yeah that's, that's way cool I mentioned it last year I think I even shared the post this year I like you're saying foundation and impact puts it on BDK hosted it at his range over in Arkansas and if you don't know anything about it, look it up. But it's basically you register for this match if you're a new shooter or a newer shooter. You go out, <clears throat> and they do basically a match and training all at once. Yep. And you'll have some, at least one, I think two pros, two pros per, squad. per squad. So you you get down there, and you're going you're gonna to see all sorts of pros. Like we were talking about with the JTAC class, you're going to get – the best way to do whatever you're trying to do as far as the stage setup, all that, from numerous different people. So you're going to pick, I guarantee you're going to pick something up yep. from the different people that are teaching you. I think you're going down. Jake is going down. I think Greg's Greg. going down again yep. this year, along with Greg Bell was there last year. Tate was obviously there last year. John Kyle. like You're going to know the folks that are there. So if, if you're thinking about it or if you shot – Last year, this year, and you're not placing where you where you want to. You're new a shooter. You've got to get down. I don't. I think even the registration is for the uh, maybe it's a hundred bucks or eighty bucks, like bucks or so. You are not going to take any class and pay less than that and have the experience that you're going to have at this match. Yep. So, you're new a shooter. You got to get out there and check it out. Obviously. Um, Kind of wrapping it up. So shout outs. You got any shout outs you want to give to to anybody? Yeah, first of all, I'd say shout out to my wife Megan because um, she puts up with all my time away and holds the fort down. Uh, we've got a six year old named Bowen, so he is high intensity, always active. So when I'm away, she's uh, she's got her hands full with him. Um, but I mean, it's not just the the time away at matches. I mean, it's the time down at the reloading bench and things like that. And, um, just shout out to her. Um, I've even in the reloading room. We've got an unfinished basement portion where I'm set up right now, but I 
brought a nice little recliner and an ottoman down there for her. So we've got a TV in there, so she'll come down and while I'm reloading, I mean, at least, I mean, that's time we get to spend together while I'm trying to get my stuff going. So, I mean, it's, again, a sacrifice. I don't think she'd rather be sitting in the basement in an unfinished room <laughs> when she could be upstairs on a, a comfortable couch and watching what she wants to watch. And, um, and then the other um, would be, shout out to Jake Schur, um, him kind of reaching out to me, wanting to spin my barrels up this year. Um, so it's a big jump I've, you know, kind of taken a jump in with him. Um, but couldn't be happier with the way things have turned out. And I mean, we've, we have shot basically every national match. I mean, over the last two years, we've squatted together, we've traveled together, we've stayed together. So um, it's, it's, it's been cool. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm excited to be able to represent him and, and shoot his barrels and shoot his stuff. So just a, a shout out to him if you're needing barrels or, I mean, any equipment, anything like that. Or, I mean, he's the one that can hook you up. So like Facebook, they're sure firearm sales. And, um, but Jake sure, I mean, big shout out to him and, uh, his help uh, so far this year. Yeah. So <clears throat> mine's the same. Same other than your wife. I yeah. guess shout out to my wife. Meg as nice as can be, but shout out to Amber. She's the same way holding the fort down, dealing with the kids while I'm out. Um sure Jake and Alicia, sure firearms, they they like I said, they approached us this year and it's it's awesome to He's obviously been spinning his barrels, and he he's always shot well. Shoots, spins Greg Harris's, and he he's always in the top five. Yeah, seems like in these national matches. Yep. So yeah, definitely no mistake there. Um, swapped over to shooting for him um, to the rescue bookkeeping. That's my wife's company. She helped me out this year. Other than just her helping me out, but the company yep. gave me give me a little bit of funds to help out. Chris with Apex uh, Metals. So I think I've mentioned him before. He obviously we shoot with him. Um, he just did the uh, trophies for the STC match. They turned out slick. They're just they're awesome. So he cut about anything on metal. He's got a big CNC metal um, deal that he cuts targets and plaques and and all sorts of stuff on. So get with him. Uh, Intex Construction, Austin and Aubrey. They've hooked me up and helped me out this year. So they're another big one. And other than that, Foundation Amy and John Kyle, both of us, they, well, Amy just hit us up, <clears throat> always says hi, always helping us out, always taking pictures. She got a little, she got a bit of a bunch that she's chasing around this year, but yep. she's taking pictures, hooks up with a hat every once in a while, and, and obviously repping their stuff. Can't, can't have a better family there. Tate, I picked up his, a 50% officer off the table at Clay, so obviously a big shout out to him and the mm-hmm. impact and Wade for putting the stuff. You, well, there isn't a match that I've shot that you haven't seen a foundation something or an impact something, sir. Yeah, no, loading no. block something on the prize table would be there then. Fortunate enough to pull up one of the revelation stocks off the yeah. prize table. So, yeah, I think yeah, Bowen's going to end up getting a pretty yeah, pretty cool we'll, we'll set. Little try to get a little twenty two set up for the kid to try to get him get him a little bit earlier start into this whole thing than I got. Obviously, like I said, shooting Bart line barrels and, and stuff like that. I don't, we mentioned it before. We're all we're shooting basically everything that we've bought and paid for, so it's all stuff that we trust. <coughs> but other than that, uh, I think that's about it. Any other anything we missed? I don't think so. I kind of good. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it, Nick. Yep, thank you. And hopefully I can get you on here. This didn't hurt too bad. I can get you on here again. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs>